On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Sound of Contacts Dimensionaut. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this episode of Progressive Palaver I'm joined by my very good friends Ken Gregory and Paul Zotter as we consider the Sound of Contact album Dimensionaut. Awesome. Gentlemen. Yes. I am so, <laughs> so excited to to talk about this record. Um, yeah. So, you know, a little bit of, I guess, background with this. And I don't even know how Dave Kersner became a friend of the Palaver. Can I, I want to attribute that to you i hounded him online but he is so good at self-promotion it was not very difficult (laughs) so we had um we we had kersner on the palaver and uh, you know i i absolutely enjoyed that first conversation with him i've enjoyed every conversation that we've had um with dave dave is he's just phenomenal with you know talking about himself and and his music and music in general and anything he wants to talk about be it food or star wars or or whatever dave kersner is is just you know a, a fantastic person to speak with but my embarrassing you know admission here and apologies to dave is on that first conversation where he spent significant amounts of time talking about this record, as did you two gentlemen, as I recall, I hadn't heard it. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Well, I, so I believe <laughs> our, our first conversations with him were about the, the con- continue, uh, the continue continuum. continuum. Yeah. And, and, and I will say that, uh, it, similarly, right? I was I was very excited about the the in continuum stuff. Dave was talking a lot about sound of contact and how and how some of the work was derivative of that. Yeah. And and then and in fact and in fact it came a, became a little bit of a joshing joshing in amongst the palavers. Like every time Dave Kirshner would post something about sound of contact and. Simon Phillips, not Simon Phillips. Simon uh, Collins. <laughs> Simon <laughs> Collins. <laughs> and and it'd be like, haha, you know, the the love affair continues. There there was this sort of gap, I think, in our general knowledge about uh, sound of contact. And and then and then actually I think the second in continuum album came out and we talked to him again about that. And still Yeah, there's I don't, there's th- a I don't lot think of I talk. had I had yeah. And, and I can tell you the the moment when, when it's the time is right, I'll tell you the moment when, as you might say, Joe, the tumblers fell for well, it, me and, and sound of contact. It's so funny, right, Paul? Because I have a very similar story around this record. Because again, you know, we 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 had sort of talked about you know this album and and Dave's attachment to it, 
I don't know if I had heard it on one of my trips north with, with one of you guys or not. And it doesn't really matter if I had because I don't remember it. But I, for whatever reason, I got my hands on the the Cyan double LP version. Mm. And so that was that was the you know the the first time I really sat down and listened to it. And I want to say I listened to all four sides maybe once. And then I kind of I, I put it aside and I at one point I I was in this really good groove where on the days when I had my kids for dinner, I would throw on some some vinyl while I was cooking. That was my that was my deal. And I think I was inspired to do that from you. But what specifically happened was I became fixated on side one of of that LP. So if we talk um, just quickly some context about you know how the the album is split up. Side one is Sound of Contact, Cosmic Distant Ladder, Distance Ladder, Pale Blue Dot, and I Am Dimension On. Side two mm. is Not Coming Down, Remote View, and Beyond Illumination. Side three, Only Breathing Out, Realm of Inorganic Beings, Closer to You, and Omega Point. And obviously side four is, is Mobius Slip. What happened is I, I fell into this, this habit, this routine where I would only leave the first disc on my my turntable. Mm. And I would I it started that I would only play side one. And then I just started flipping between side one and side two. And eventually I honestly didn't get into the back half of the album really until I got um my CD. But like when I first started yeah, it was all about Pale Blue Dot. All I wanted to listen mm. to was Pale Blue Dot. Loved Pale Blue Dot. It it grabbed me. It made me excited. The rest of it was, was fun on side one. And then the second one that got me was I Am Dimension On. And I'm, there was something about the, the plaintiveness of that that really got me. And from there, I you know, it was remote view, only breathing out, then on to not coming down. And by the time I was so deep into it and beyond illumination just sort of bloomed in front of me. And at that point, you know, I mean, I've got, well, you know, two thirds of the album, you know, that's done, but it was interesting the way that I fell in love with each of these songs very sequentially. It was, uh-huh. it was strange uh-huh. to me the way that worked out. And, and it's funny. So the, the Tumblr moment though, with pale blue Dot specifically Paul, I, I suspect you have experiences similar to this. Can I? I'm not exactly sure um, how you process this, but a lot of times, like the words will essentially be out of focus, and <laughs> you know, yeah. e- eventually, like in cases like that, there there's usually a line that sort of comes into focus first, and the picture kind of clarifies on either side of that, and it was. It was the line, you're a man of many faces, a man of madness at the end of each verse that that really kind of grabbed me. Uh-huh. And and I sort of latched onto that and everything kind of flowed from from that sort of moment with this record. Brilliant, brilliant, Joe. Um, allow me to take this back 
in true Palaver fashion, so many things come out of Yes 50. Yeah. Um, we, nice. we, 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 we witnessed uh, Total Mass Retain, Yes Tribute Band, Joey Cash, Joel and the guys playing. And we uh, were, were deep into Yes. We were reviewing Yes shows, reviewing Yes albums. Uh, in 2018, uh, Dave Kersner, through his Sonic Elements Bandcamp, released yesterday and today a 50th anniversary tribute to Yes to coincide with that Yes 50 tour. And that was my introduction to Sonic Elements and Dave Kersner. So through that, uh, we learned the story that, you know, Joey Cass had hooked up with Fernando and uh, recorded. I believe it was Machine Messiah, the drums for that, for right. this tribute album. So wh wh while many people would have come to Sonic Elements, Dave Kersner, Sound of Contact, through the Simon wing of it, we came through our own geeky palaver <laughs> kind of back door into this and said, oh, what's going on in here, guys? Is there a party? <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> Damn right there was a party. We, we, we just had no idea, right? So um, I'm really mad at SoundCloud because instead of putting dates on our episodes, they just say ambiguous things like four years ago. Right. But, but if, uh, you, yeah. if you page through the progressive palaver on, on, on SoundCloud, we were in the thick of it four years ago. We were re reviewing uh, Magnification and Fly From Here and Heaven and Earth and uh, Time and a Word. I mean... We interviewed Tony Kay. We, we were just like really in the thick of it. And, and I love that, that Sonic Elements Yes tribute. And that just opened up the, the doors. And I think, Joe, I think the first interview with, with Dave was just you and I. And, and, and we, we didn't know what we stumbled to. We just liked the music. We were just yeah. idiots. <laughs> well, and, and, and the great thing about about interviewing Dave Kersner is it doesn't, you know, you just kind of ask him a question and he'll take care of it. Damn right. Yeah. So, so, uh, so we really need to talk to Dave, uh, about, I don't think we haven't talked to him about the Mandalorian or book of Boba Fett or Andor heaven help us or Obi-Wan Kenobi. We really need Kersner's input. I thought Andor was the good one and Kenobi was the bad one. I'm going to agree that Andor's the good one. I'm not yeah. going to get into the rest of that. <laughs> there's a guy, there's a YouTube guy that I stumbled on. He wrote, he did a 20 minute YouTube video, basically talking about how Andor is, is the, the best thing that Disney has done with star Wars and in, in ridiculous detail only to be outdone by his two and a half hour video where he goes through every episode of Obi-Wan, basically ripping it to shreds. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, be that as it so, may. So, so Paul, so, yeah, maybe so, you can... Uh, so for me, similar to you, we talked to Dave Kersner, and I, as you guys may remember, like I was like hook, line, and sinker with the end continuum. The yeah, first one were. came out, and I loved it. So I was all over that when we first talked to Dave. And then it wasn't too long after that that he released 
in Continuum 2, and I absolutely love that. But somewhere in between that, because we had talked to him, I, too, had purchased the Sound of Contact uh, vinyl mm. item uh, somewhere somewhere along that, that, that time frame. I did not get the cyan colored vinyl. I just got the regular, but it is the double – yeah, the double uh, album, and so, and I listened to it, and I listened to it. You know, I streamed it for a little bit, and I dug it, but I was so sort of overwhelmed within Continuum that I just kept going back to that and listening to that, and didn't really have a lot of of uh, space in my mind, my brain, for Sound of Contact. Then, a crazy set of circumstances occurred. I think somewhere in the beginning of 2021 where a lot of our favorite artists or artists that we had come to, to know through the palaver started releasing CDs all at the same time. Robert Berry released, uh, what was it? 3.2, 3.3, point the last one, the 3.2. Yeah. Oh, the last one. Yeah, 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 yeah. The last one. So that one, um, I think there may have been something else snuck in there. And then another Dave Kersner connection, arc of life, released yep. their their cd and i got the arc of life cd and i was sitting in my um living room listening to arc of life and, and i was not very satisfied with that if, if if i don't know if there's record of that yet or not but i'm not i was not very satisfied with that and one of the things i was most dissatisfied is that everything that i had heard from and continuum and you know dave kersner I could not decipher any presence of Dave Kersner on the Arc of Life album, and I thought, man, that's just so weird. And it has the the, the what I'll call signature um, Billy Sherwood production value mm-hmm. on Arc of Life. So there was something in my head that I was like, man, well, maybe Dave Kersner is in this. I'm not going to try to AB it with In Continuum. I'm going to put Sound of Contact on. Really? And I gave and I got up. I took out arc of life and i put the final and literally from the first like dun 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 i just was like like it was like that max l commercial where the yeah. wind just like kind of went, went through me yeah. and i was just like holy shit and like from that moment on like i like mm-hmm. I, I think from that day i, I probably listened to dimension not every day for like three weeks after that nice nice it's it's truly wonderful. Well, well, I mean, Joe, you gave your dimension on origin story. Paul, we just your your dimension on origin story. Uh, I, I would have been enamored with uh, in continuums acceleration theory b- prior to this and eased into it. But I did fall in love, Joe, as you said, one song at a time, and it's it's just beautiful it's just such a beautiful journey to take this on and it, you know if, if if you have the the luxury luxury of just diving in one piece at a time the whole construction of it is really good i've listened to this i i start in the beginning typically but then i get into this phase where i just start in the middle and just listen to the the chestnuts that I love at the end, the, the, it's kind of a choose your own adventure now. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's really friggin' great. So so I went through 
a pale blue dot phase. Um, definitely, uh, I am dimension not phase. Uh, I got to tell you wh where, where I ended up is Joe, you mentioned it beyond illumination. There's something going on there. It's oh. just magical for me now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, right? Because when you, when you're in your pale blue dot phase, Beyond Illumination, for me, didn't really register. And then... No, no, it's a sleeper. And, right. You're like, eh. And then, like, one day, you're like, fuck, this right. is great. And, right. And, but Pale Blue Dot is still also great. <laughs> now, Pale Blue Dot is the quintessential Simon composition from what I've gathered in, in the online chats uh uh and, and 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 a lot of this is dave but if you look on the wikis they're both on just about every song yeah uh in, in conjunction with matt and kelly uh it's it it this is truly i think if we were able to go back and ask dave it, it it's truly a, a friendship between two guys who learned how to write together um and well produce together and create together and well, is, it, yeah, I mean, I mean, on the Palaver, we like to write in groups of threes, right? Which is which is the magic they brought in uh, right. Matt Dorsey and Kelly Nordstrom to 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 mix it up, and and other people have have sound credits. But the magic of this is, you know, apparently Simon reached out to Dave and said, "Let's do it. Let's let's make this happen." And it's truly an enigma because it wasn't sustainable. It hasn't happened since 2013. But it's so beautiful. It it really is. And so one of the things that um, I, I seem to recall, we talked about this with Kersner. The three of us have already talked around this this facet of this already. But that's the production of this record. Mm. Um, mm. It's credited to Simon and Dave, as I recall, Dave explaining this they were working with nick davis yes and and nick davis said this is you guys you need to take this credit this isn't on me which i think is is wonderful because the the production on this album i think is you know one of the better ones that we've come across i find it to be extremely satisfying very even it's expansive yet intimate at the same time. I can hear all the things I want to hear. And, and it, I think it's just, it's, it's very well done sort of across the board. The other thing I sort of want to generally say about this record is we here on the Palaver and anyone who talks, you know, does podcasts about progressive rock, you know, you have to have the conversation. What is prog? And then, you know, when you're covering Genesis and you're like, is Invisible Touch prog? And you have this conversation all the time. <laughs> and, you know, you, there's the there's the famous thing by what some some uh, politician in, in the 80s in the Tipper Gore era of, you know, can you, you know, define pornography? Well, no, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. This album, to me, is undeniably progressive rock and it's just beautifully so. Like, I can't tell you what specifically about it is. Yeah, they've got a 20-minute song. Check the box. That's great. But there's much more to this album and this music that, to me, just reeks 
of progressive rock, and I fucking love it. The core of a good prog rock meal is fiber <laughs> and, and sugar, nutrition. I mean, it's just so well-balanced. So much in here to love. Uh, and it, it's just the production before that conversation slips away. You know, we just gushed over King's X, Three Sides of One, because they custom produced each song. And it's kind of an eternal debate. Um, you know, do, do you achieve the perfect sound for the band or do you adjust per song? And honestly, on this album, they kind of did a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a really, really well adjusted per song while still retaining a band identity. It's, mm -hmm. it's really the best of both worlds in that production argument or debate or philosophy yeah i think i think that's exceptionally well said ken and i yeah. could not agree more i i yeah i mean I, this was released in what 2013 yeah so we're getting on 10 years now the 10 year anniversary i dare say this this may be the most underrated album in the in the last 10 years and and paul when you talk about you know, the experience you had with Arc of Life. And, you know, when you listen to what Dave Kersner, keyboard player, does here, mm. you know, it's, and maybe maybe it's not fair to, to make that comparison, but let me say within this realm, I absolutely love what Kersner does as a musician here. I think it's absolutely delightful. I don't find anything in this derivative of anything. Like I remember when we were going through the prog section of the Stephen Wilson catalog and we talked about the Raven that refused to sing. And, you know, there was a lot of, oh, this makes me think of that, or this feels like this. Um, again, not saying that, that Wilson was ripping them off. That's not what I'm saying here, but I listened to sound of contact and it feels very prog to me, but I don't, I, it's sound of contact. It's not, you know, I don't think, oh, this is Phil Collins' son, or, you know, this is, you know, Kersner trying to ape, you know, whatever. It, 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 to me, this is itself, and it's perfect for that. Yeah, and it's funny because there, there are seeds in, in Dimensionaut that, um, that carry through into the Incontinuum stuff. And you know, Dave has has said to us that that you know I think uh, Matt had some songs that he w had written for the you know the next Sound of Contact album, and they had all kind of you know started to work on stuff. And I think he said they all decided to take their stuff and, and go their separate ways. And I think a lot of Dave's contributions would have been what ended up being in Continuum. There are so many little seeds that show up there. Yeah. Um, that 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 in continuum becomes somewhat derivative of 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 dimensionot, which is fascinating to me. I think you're right on the money because because I think there's more like in some of the other Dave Kersner stuff. There it, you can hear some, you know, you can hear some influences a little bit more Absolutely. heavily than yeah. than um than this. There is the one song. Every time I hear it, I picture myself driving in my Escort. Um, down the blue route, um, 
<laughs> listening to it's the not coming down song and i don't know if it's it's not toe the wet sprocket it's not i don't think it's counting crows but but there's like that song has some some weird like you know 90s pre-americana type really? you know uh, to me I, yeah that's yeah it's just funny interesting but mm. uh but yeah although uh, well we'll get we'll get to mobius slip um, <laughs> later um can i comment on the not aping other artists sure uh, that, that you so eloquently shared joe um fortunately the the timing was right i think because um dave kersner had gone through you know his la phase and kevin gilbert and paying some dues and finding his own identity and simon collins i think had been on a german label and released two or three of his own projects so they had identities above and beyond that uh genesis kind of box that we would you know might put them in yeah but i i think i think they exceeded that and frankly there's more pink floyd in here than i would have expected from a genesis like project and there's uh you know a bit of reggae in the uh uh beyond illumination and there are all sorts of things that they brought in from their own childhoods that exceed the typical baby boomer vocabulary all right shall we uh do some context before we get into the music then gentlemen wow I felt like that was the context. So you want to know what was going on in 2013? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me let me pull that up. Um, I thought I thought I was gonna be off. Uh, <laughs> Ken, I, you're I was, never off, man. That, this <laughs> is your part of the show. <laughs> that was a lot of uh, context right there. Wow. <laughs> All right. Let, let let's see what the hell was going on in 2013, 2014. Okay, well, I believe it was May 2013 when Dimension Not came out. So in true Palaver fashion, I usually go back one year. So that would be May 2012 to yep. see what was going on. So uh, interesting. This is a time of Stephen Wilson, Catalog Preserve, Amass, Live. Um, we've got uh, Mars Volta. We've got Flying Colors, Ian Anderson. We've got um, Rush did Clockwork Angels in 2012. Hmm. The Flower Kings. Oh, Echo Lynn, lo local to this Philadelphia area. There you go. Has yeah. the self-titled wow. Echo Lynn in 2012. Um, so that was kind of the rebranding of what they had, had done in the uh, 90s. Uh, Vandergraaf Generators active. Saga's active. Mostly Autumn. Beardfish. Uh, big, big train. Uh, English Electric Part One. Oh, Pineapple Thief. That would make perfect sense. Merlion did the controversial Sounds That Can't Be Made album during this period. Wow. Uh, I would argue not controversial at all. <laughs> Freaking brilliant. We, but that's me. Okay. Oh, Coheed and Cambria. Uh, Steve Hackett is doing Genesis Revisited 2, which, which, if I remember, that kind of inspired the whole Genesis Revisited tours. And then getting into... 2013. Oh, Riverside is getting big. 
We've mm. got, uh, oh my God, the raven that refused to sing in other oh, stories. Beautiful. Right, right, right. Spock's beard, of course. Uh, Leprous. And then Sound of Contact, 20th of May, 2013, the same day as Leprous Coal. It's volatile, shall I say, in, in the world of proc. Like, you almost yeah. don't know what is coming out of this soup. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think this is sort of maybe the start of this sort of fertile period again, as I recall. So, Ken, as you mentioned, the album was released um, in Europe on May 20th of 2013. It wasn't released here in North America until May 28th. It was released on the label Inside Out and produced, as previously mentioned, by Simon Collins and Dave Kersner. The personnel and sound of contact are, of course, Simon Collins on lead vocals, drums, and percussion, Matt Dorsey, electric guitars, acoustic guitars, bass guitars, and backing vocals, Dave Kersner, keyboards, acoustic guitars, backing vocals, and Kelly Nordstrom, electric guitars, acoustic guitars, and bass guitars. Additional personnel include Hannah Stobart, uh, yeah. who does vocals on Only Breathing Out, Incredible. And Wells Cunningham, who plays cello on, um, it looks like five different tracks here, which is interesting. So the track listing is Sound of Contact, Cosmic Distance Ladder, Pale Blue Dot, I Am, parentheses Dimension Ot, Not Coming Down, Remote View, Beyond Illumination, Only Breathing Out, Realm of Inorganic Beings, Closer to You, Omega Point and a Mobius Slip uh, encompassing Part 1 in the Difference Engine, Part 2, um, Perihelion Continuum, Part 3, <laughs> Salvation <laughs> Found, <laughs> and Part 4, All Worlds, All Times. I mean, that is yeah. just Perihelion <laughs> Continuum. <laughs> Uh, Dimensionaut is the debut album by British-based band Sound of Contact and was released worldwide May 2013. Production of the album was a collaborative effort between Simon Collins and Dave Kersner, two of the band's founding members. As of March 2014, two singles off the album have been released. Dimensionaut was mixed by veteran sound engineer Nick Davis, known for working with Genesis. That was very exciting. So... There we are. That's what we have. Now, it's interesting. Yeah, go ahead, Ken. It kills me that you read through the musicians, Hannah Stobart from the uh, Marillion universe is, is featured on uh, female vocals for that one track, only breathing right. out. But in the realm of inorganic beings, do you guys not hear like what sounds like Durga McBroom kind of doing like a tribute to um, Great Gig in the Sky? Great Gig in the Sky. Yeah. Yeah. But whoever is doing that, Durga or not, it's not credited. I know. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting, right? Because I was I was thinking about that as I was listening on my my final listen through that very question and if it's not credited well who or what is it love it yeah yeah and i, I we, don't have an we answer ask the hard-hitting questions here <laughs> <laughs> but but it's interesting right and we've had this experience before i certainly have um on the palaver where certainly an album like this that i have listened to many 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 times but 
have never listened to it in headphones. And so I have a certain experience. And so I was really kind of surprised when earlier on this evening, I started doing my, my final listen through, through headphones. And in Sound of Contact, there's a backward vocal track that comes in. Hmm. And I was like, I've never heard that before. It, it was quite... Um, oh, I love that because that... <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's so perfect for the album because it feels like Simon Collins is either, you know, ripping himself out of a, a space suit or yeah. being born or something. It's like he's, he's struggling to become a part of this mix. It's beautiful. It, it really is. Abs I mean, it was... As much as I love this album, like, and as many times as I listened to it, here I am, you know, literally hours before we're recording this, and I find something I never knew before, and I freaking lose my shit. Beautiful. It yeah. was great. Yeah, that's Beautiful. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's a great play. Are, are we ready to start the tracks? Because that, that, yeah. that's what it feels like to me. We, we, we have... We have two openers. One is two minutes. The other one is over four minutes, and they really just set the stage in a traditional, you know, prog fashion. And the first one called "Sound of Contacts." Yeah, you have a distant reverse recording of Simon kind of trying to break through the, the din, and it just launches into this cosmic distance ladder which i looked up and it's it's joe you, you've had more astronomy than any of us it's it's that never-ending series of math equations it right. helps us to figure out where we are in relation to the sun and the moon and the rest of our galaxy yep uh what a what a fantastic name cosmic distance ladder to to describe this instrumental that that just kind of bridges us into the storyline so and, and and so it's it's right. We're so excited. There's a whole lot going on here. Um, so I want to I want to go back to Sound of Contact before we talk about the instrumental cosmic distance ladder. Um, so Sound of Contact is freaking. And my note here is it's so subtly awesome. Um, I absolutely love it. I love when they repeat the first verse, I guess we'll call it, but they come in with the layered vocals on that second part of it. Yeah. Like it, it starts. And, and again, knowing that we've got that Simon Collins sort of way back reverse thing, right. It, which I just discovered now, but it sort of sets the stage. And when you get these, these layered vocals that seem to almost be, um, you know, some sort of, of, interference feedback thing going right it it without necessarily knowing yet what the story is they're sonically creating this environment which i do just think is wonderful it, yeah it is magical i think um mm. all of those layered vocals and they they it starts so nicely and then it all cuts and it's just that really compressed guitar strumming along with uh it's probably like 16 guitars strumming with all those layered vocals the, this th th i will say this joe while i did agree with you that there's not a lot of of uh, derivatives in this i i do like that is a to me a very john anderson yes kind of mm. um moment even the the um 
the rhythm of the vocals is very much end of of Siberian Katru. Okay. Um, uh, for me, but I love it. Right. I mean, not not in a bad way at all. It's a sort of a nice little tip of the hat with and nice. and it just it just drop dr- drops us in there. But I, I will say also this this whole opening that we're talking about is um definitely past the Nolan Zotter test. Oh, uh, where where I secretly play him a song when he's not suspecting while we're driving somewhere. And, <laughs> I uh, love this game, and and uh, I I had done it with this, and you know he just gets quiet, and because you can tell he's listening, and like that part happened and went into the instrumental, and he just went, "What is this? This is really cool." <laughs> I, was just, I was just like, "Yeah, that's awesome." <laughs> the way these two songs, you know, flow into each other so wonderfully and everything right so when you get to cosmic distance ladder um which even on the wikis is listed as an instrumental so imagine my surprise when tonight i'm listening to this on apple music and there's a bunch of lyrics that pop out at me wow now there's no no lyrics to hear they're not in the song so how they got attached to this track in Apple Music is beyond me. The lyrics in question are undetectable, unimaginable, hypermetrical, pan-dimensional, to move through matter, cosmological, we're unstoppable as we step into the cosmic distance ladder. Undefinable, theoretical, we're invincible as we climb onto the cosmic distance ladder. Wow. I, I'm I'm gonna say Dave Kirshner wrote those lyrics. I, I just had no idea. I was like, why Why am wow. I looking at this? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember hearing anything like that. That does remind me of the the part of in Continuum when it's like the amorous, like the hundred million uh, long syllable words. Yeah, um, that's cool. The cosmic distance ladder is it's. Only, and I say only, for an instrumental, it's kind of long. 4.44, which is also the exact same credited time as Pale Blue Dot, by the way. Um, But Cosmic Distance Ladder really moves through a lot of territory in those, you know, four minutes and change. To me, it basically feels almost like two songs. It it switches around 2.30, and you get into that really speedy part. Um, but it, the way that they construct this song, and quite frankly, all these songs, I think is exceptionally refreshing um, to me because it's, and, and maybe this is where a lot of that that progginess comes from. Um, you know, they're not afraid to connect up things and have you move musically. And I think Cosmic Distance Ladder does that exceptionally well for me. It makes really good use of the guitar. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you're going to, you know, separate sound of contact from, you know, Genesis, you're not going to have metal guitar influences in Genesis, but you're going to have metal guitar influences here. Well, and it, and it's interesting, right, Ken? Because there are there are huge swaths of this record where. It's almost like there isn't even a guitar, right? right? Right, right. But but you have tracks like this where there's lots of guitar. 
<laughs> yes, yes, and it's yes. you know it, it it's fascinating the way they they sort of balance that out, and it just it seems to work for me. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, Kelly Nordstrom is credited on all but three or four of the things in this album, so he's constantly contributing. But this is maybe one of his highlights. And, and, and of course, Cosmic Distance Ladder, you know, again, flows perfectly into Pale Blue Dot. I mean, the we've talked on other albums about tracking and transitions and, and things like that. And I think, you know, this this band, and I guess, and I don't know if we credit Simon and Dave, did a phenomenal job of of creating sort of a flow here and i think you know these first three tracks are are testament to that yeah it's really satisfying when all of that comes to an end and you're and without really even knowing it you're into pale blue dot yeah and like that was the single right that they did the video for and everything and it's just hard to even in my mind it's just hard to even think about that song on its own like right. I never, like I know, like it was kind of a little bit of a gateway for you, Joe. But like, or at least at the beginning, right? But I, I'm sure you never dropped a needle just on that song. No, right, never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really. Uh, I mean, you said it the first. You know, you got you were kind of on the first disc of the double LP. I mean, the first the first side is about as good a first side you're going to get on it any album anywhere oh, yeah absolutely and, uh, yeah i mean it's it, as good as the whole thing is i think the first out al- the first lp itself is pretty spectacular on its own so i and, and there are some aspects here um you know i think i think pale blue dot is and again this is my own sort of personal perspective on this i think this is where sound of contact as as a sort of a band identity such as it is sort of starts to come into focus because a lot of this musically is really, this is where I think Kersner starts to really sort of manifest himself um, a little bit more. And to the extent that you have to me, noticeable guitars here, they're often um, playing along with the keyboard line. And, and then there's like the the breakdown at the end. Um, I think on the second or third chorus, and you get that sort of you know yummy bass line coming in that you're like, oh, where'd that come from? Um, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff going on here that for me you don't necessarily notice right away until they adjust things just a little bit, and you're like, oh, wait, what's that over there? Um, and then you go back and you're like, oh, this is great. And like, you know, Simon starts, you know, this this is really, you know, a, a great introduction to Simon. Um, like he's got that that growl on the word madness at the end of those mm. those choruses, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I think Simon is a vocalist. I it's it's great because I don't again, I don't think of Oh, Phil Collins' son. When I listen to Simon sing, I think Simon Collins. I like Simon Collins. He's got, you know, the kind of range and and that I I really enjoy. 
And I think this is, for me, sort of the start of that. Now, it is interesting, right, when we talk about um, the idea of how much the backing vocals come into play here. Obviously, Simon sings a lot by himself, um, but throughout this album, right, we know that Kersner loves to sing um, and, and, you know, likens himself um, you know, more in a, a vocally a, a Pink Floyd vein, maybe than than other progs. But you know, Matt and Kelly are also credited. So it, I I, I don't know. I, I say that because I I honestly don't have the context to be able to pick out exactly who's doing what when. Um, yeah. But I I like Simon vocally, and I like the group vocally collectively throughout this record as well. Agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I like how you segued into to, to, to Simon's voice. We can't forget, though, and it's so easy to do, that he is the drummer. Right. And, and composing via the drums and really setting this environment for us. He's powerful and consistent on the drums and not indulgent like like he's really setting these groovy punchy uh backgrounds that gives room to the keyboards and the guitar and the backing vocals it 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 really serves the 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 songs i i i'll take exception in i there are a couple songs where i I, there's one thing that Simon does that I find a little indulgent, um, but at the same time, the other side of that coin is I agree with you 100%, Ken. And one of the things that I like about Simon as a drummer on here is that he very much stays away from hi-hat, kick-snare sort of rhythms. Um, he's much more interested in doing other, what I'll call non-traditional things, and I, you know, it's one of those things. It's not, it's not to the level of, of Rage for Order or Operation Mindcrime, where like the the drum patterns literally just grab your attention. But you do spend, I spend a lot of time listening to the drums on this record. Which again, there are a lot of records. You know, how many palavers have we done where we don't even talk about the drummer? So I'm, right, I'm glad you right. brought that up. He, he's lyrical, um, maybe in, with a little bit of a Neil Peart influence, or we've, you know, uh, just just talked about Scott Rockenfeld, where they're responding to the lyrics and the other instruments. Yeah, Joe, I, th- I think in the spirit of, um, or in the same vein as Genesis by the Numbers, you should go back and listen to all of the uh our palaver episodes or maybe we should get our intern to go back and listen to all the the uh, palaver episodes and calculate how often we talk about drummers versus how often we talk about snare sounds (laughs) (laughs) that is totally legit it occurs to me i did not tell you what i think simon's indulgence is would you like to think you did would you like to hold on till it comes up in in an actual is it, track? Is it is it saying the word madness? It is not saying the word madness. Okay, not at all. <laughs> oh boy! Well, I'll, well, I'll I, hold I, on to it, but it's there. Okay. 
Okay. Are, are, are we still in pale blue dot or have, have we uh, launched into the next? We have not launched yet. So if you have another pale blue dot point, now is the time to make it. Well, it's it's the pop song. It's the hook. You know, yeah. if you don't if you don't buy into this, you may not buy into the album. Uh, but I, I it, it, it's so palatable. I, I think uh, the majority of folks who who, who get into Pale Blue Dot have to. I mean, I'm going to give it uh, an honorary mantra award. Ooh, OK. Um, wow. I like that. We, we, we reserve our mantra awards for Marillion's. Uh, and and the chorus is just twice, but I mean, it it's it it's nice because it's it's very yogic, it's very rhythmic, it's very methodic. No matter how hard we try, we still can't deny we're pale blue dot. And then it's repeated, and I yeah. like the fact that it's repeated. It becomes a bit of a mantra that way. And, and I think that was probably one of the reasons why I was able to latch onto it so quickly. Um, I talked about. Um, you know, the man of madness line, but obviously, you know, the, the mantra, if you will, of this gets in your head and stays there. Um, and it, you know, you yeah. kind of launch from there. I do kind of feel like I, I do, you know, often have the feelings of after the, the, just the magnificence of the first two opening tracks that get us and the transition into this is so cool. I kind of wish that they would just go into the verse Mm. rather than that like saying okay we're in the song and opening with the chorus yeah right that sort of gets the raised prog eyebrow (laughs) it's a shame that no one's ever going to see the video for this to see exactly how well paul literally raised the prog eyebrow (laughs) i concur so can we move into i am dimensionant then we have to. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So, just right out of the gate, Kersner's piano tone here is positively drippy. Oh my God. I just want to rub it all over my body. It is spectacular. <laughs> Everything about this, right? The, the, like the keyboard solo in this track is spectacular. Um, all the different flavors throughout this track. You know, lyrically, I love this, but um, I'm not inhuman, but I've lost all sense of self. I pray for resilience disguised as someone else. Paul, I think to your, you know, maybe ire here, there's another line, through all the madness, I've found a way back to me. This this really starts to, you know, if Pale Blue Dot is sort of the, the, and maybe this isn't accurate. And I know there's a lot going on story-wise here, and there are probably 85 different ways that people can interpret these lyrics. I have my own way. So if Pale Blue Dot is sort of like the the 50,000 foot, doesn't that look nice expression of, you know, what this person is, is going through or, or dealing with, or maybe just the start of it. Um, in I Am Dimensionot, you start to feel some of the tension that's going to build throughout all of this. And it's really funny throughout, if I think about this album as a story and, you know, some of the conflicts that arise with the person and and the the quote unquote problems that are trying to be solved, I almost get a, an invisible man type feel Mm. throughout 
you know, from from the story wise of this, this idea of circumstances have changed and things are going on and we have to figure out a what's going on b how do we deal with that um and and i think for me this is where that really starts this song actually also is the first instance of simon's um what i would call indulgence simon loves to ride on his cymbals Oh, he loves okay. to ride on his cymbals. And it's funny because as oftentimes as we talked about, like where he gives space for everyone else musically to do what they need to do, when he starts beating the shit out of those crash cymbals, it's just he like, doesn't stop. all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're in for the long haul when you get to that section. Right. Yeah, in this song, that's the big I am. Yeah midsection mm-hmm. and there's a lot of howling going on okay all right all right so so that's fine it's his band he can be I, gratuitous on the symbols i you know i i point it out because i notice it but it like and i it doesn't really bother me i just can't help but going yeah there's simon riding his symbol again cool <laughs> don't know that he needs to that much but yeah whatever it's exciting it's true yeah. It's very true. It's fair. Totally fair. The keyboard solo is that calliope piano sound. It's yep. just freaking oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I think of Dave Kirsner, those are the kind of moments that I want from Dave Kirsner music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you got it in spades. Yeah, very good. I did. This is a sensitive uh, song in and I love that allusion to Merlion's Invisible Man. Thank you, Jeff. So that takes us into Not Coming Down, which, if according to the wikis, is credited to Kersner writing about the death of a friend. Make sure I get this right. And there's a video for this one, a really expensive-looking video. Kersner states the song Not Coming Down was inspired by the death of his friend and former bandmate Kevin Gilbert. According to Kersner, the song explains, quote, the fragility of life. Now, um, you know, again, Kevin Gilbert, I guess, you know, the biggest thing that he would have done would be the Tuesday Night Music Club with Cheryl Crow. But, well, Toy Matinee. Yeah, and, and Toy Matinee, Exactly. I listened to this album and this song an awful lot before I read that particular bit of, of um, information. And it's very easy to see how these lyrics could be applied talking about someone's friend who had passed. But at the same time, like I had by that, by the point I knew this, I was, I had fit these very well into my interpretation of dimension not and what's going on um so I, I think that's that's really interesting the way these lyrics can be easily interpreted um different ways yeah and and i just i find it to be exceptionally compelling um just and and right now I I can't even articulate it because I'm so sort of caught up in this dichotomy of what these lyrics mean, um, but I they really do kind of work for me 
you lost control, you crossed the line, you walked the edge one last time, closed the door, locked the gate, spin the wheel, twist your fate, heard the call, walked the wall, cut the rope and watch us fall. In a cloud, take a look around, you're so high, you're not coming down. Broke the reins, fading away, you're so high, you're not coming down. You've no regard for who's around you, spinning out with no escape, in a world of a different shape. It's all the same, it's all the same. You go back from where you came. So this, to me, these lyrics really sort of made that Invisible Man connection to me, but it's, I, I find it to be interesting. And of course, obviously we get, you know, front and center, the guest cello here, which I think is is an exceptional use of cello in a, in a rock song. Um, I just, you know, there, there's a lot to really, I think, recommend this song for me. That sounds like a palaver word. And up next, nominees for exceptional use of a cello. <laughs> rock song. <laughs> so I really like this song, and it's funny because there is just this very, just the aesthetic of the song, like the way it sounds with the vocals and the guitars har- does harken me back to somewhere between the Counting Crows and some, I don't remember the name of the band. It was actually, um, there, there was just a, just like some locals from uh, the Trenton, New Jersey area when I was working there. And I just knew a couple people and ended up with a demo tape. So it was, it was that same sort of time frame of Counting Crows. So I don't know why that aesthetic overwhelms me. I just think it's, it's fantastic. But I think, you know, I agree with everything you said, Joe, and I think the song is great. Is this at the end of one of the sides, Joe, or the beginning of one of the sides? Or uh, it's a, it's a- Not Coming Down is the beginning of side one, or side two, I'm Okay, sorry. yeah, which is a nice entree into, the, you know, flipping the, flipping the disc. Right. The video is fascinating. There are four different in, in headphones who's eventually singing to himself as himself is dying of some apparent drug overdose. But then there's the Simon in the field singing the lyrics, and then there's the Simon behind the drum kit with the band and the full string section. Um, you have a lot of Simons. What, what did we talk about? Uh, too many Johns? Too many Johns, yes. yes. Okay, or too, too many, many Gettys Too sometimes. many Gettys was too really the offensive yeah. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, well, well. Um, luckily, this album never breaches that Palaver guideline, uh, but the <laughs> video definitely has the too many Simons. <laughs> there are a lot of Simons, and I'm going to say here, this is fascinating. Kelly Nordstrom is on the album, but I think it's John Wesley in this video. They don't really do interesting. They don't wow. do a close up, but if you look through the wikis, there was a, a time period where. Uh, uh, John Wesley. Um, m- maybe this is the uh, the start of the the Randy McStein going where John Wesley goes, and uh, yeah, and and ultimately the 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 fifth Simon dies uh, from this apparent drug overdose in the video. So it's 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 a sad one, but it's a very well produced, beautiful video. Simon's a wonderful character, you know. He he's not. I uh, well, he he is active now. Just 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 for the record. Um, he 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 released a, a new project with uh, Kelly Nordstrom. There you go. Wow. There you go. Indeed. Very recently. So that's worth checking out. 
So that takes us into remote view. Remote view is is an interesting song. It's one of those songs where I started to figure out the lyrics and sing them. And as I started to figure them out, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> and I, I know here in the palaver where we artificially create connections that a lot of times don't exist. But I'm always looking for my intruder on any record. And this is it. There, There's a certain creepy stalker yet romantic feel about about the idea that you know this this dimension knot is always hovering over the, the um, i'm assuming it's the the uh the love interest here he's always around somewhere which is supposed to be comforting but there's <laughs> there's a part of that just kind of weirds me out a little bit <laughs> <laughs> every breath you take in the wrong way yes yeah. exactly right right mm-hmm. okay well, th- this is a sleeper, but it, it it's a fantastic warm-up to Beyond Illumination. I just- agree, 100%. If we talk about it um, ly- lyrically, like, a flash of light, a blink of an eye, and you know I'll be by your side. Somewhere in time, deep in the mind, I can see you. Remote view over you like a satellite. Ooh, okay, cool. Um, Simon's beating the shit out of his symbols again. Cool, great. He's <laughs> he's he's going to he's going to do it in, again in only breathing out. But you know, again, I'm I'm only pointing it out because it's funny. I really it doesn't annoy me. Um, but when in one of the the choruses, when all the harmonies come in on like a satellite, and then they start you know doing the 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 vocal texturing again, I just I I love it when they start to do shit like that on here and you don't get too many Simons vocally. Yeah. It's interesting with the symbol writing business. I want, I'm, I'm th- in my mind. I'm trying to put myself in that time frame, And I'm wondering if that's just a sign of the times, if you will, mm. like if that's I, like I said, um, it, it, it's just, I remember it, it's just something that I can't not notice now. I am yeah. perversely amused by it. Yeah. I, Cause I kind of, th- I mean, I kind of like it, throughout it's fun right like if if i was a drummer i'd want to do it too we do get remote view again blending seamlessly into beyond illumination which is just delightful Uh, you know it can you you described it as a setup for beyond illumination and it it does flow seamlessly and you know I, i think you described beyond illumination at the top of the episode initially as a sleeper but it's one of those you know it's one of those things and we've talked about this many many times whether there's a song or an album you know if if it takes you a long time to get it but you do get it like that payoff is usually always so much more and i just absolutely love um the way this this goes you know, and I think this is a really great example of what we were talking about earlier with Simon um, being very adept at playing different types of of drum parts that are very satisfying without seeming overly gimmicky at the same time. 
Um, obviously here, the vocal textures are fantastic. You know, when you get the, I, there's something about the I'll come back a better man line that always gets me. Uh, I think the, the bridge and chorus um, combination, the, those sections on this song are just incredibly beautiful. And then on the back end of this song, when you have the, the, the female singing still believing sort of um, layered with the I'll come back part. I mean, it, you can literally just, feel that sort of tension if you will it's 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 demonstrable to me it's so wonderful what a good song i am going to you know play the reggae card if i want to hear reggae i want to hear you know something kind of authentic and i have this little switch that goes off it's like no white reggae and then it takes someone really talented with good intentions to get past that on me. And, and this is the high bar of, you know, they've taken the beat and they've done so much more with it and they've made it their own that it's not derivative. This is a really good example of, you know, how to take a beat like this and turn it into something Proggy. It's not. It's not always successful in that vein, but I think this one is is uber successful. Excellent. I love it. Just the sonic density. They're using something that sounds like uh, oboe, kind of a thing. You know, a lot of good keys in here. You've got that the the breathy accents on the reggae hits. It's kind of like a string patch, and then it gets really dense with that kind of robo thing going on um and 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 let's hear it for hannah stobart um she 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 came out of the uh steve rothery project that i think that he took to merlion weekends and whatnot uh so hats off to that camp so ken glad you brought up merlion weekend because part of the lore surrounding sound of contact is that paul and i missed seeing the live debut of Sound of Contact at a Marillion weekend by a day. Oh, that's right. So in that's March right. of 2013, at the, the three nights of the Marillion Convention in Montreal, Canada, that would be March 22nd, 23rd, and 24th of 2013, the opening acts for those nights. Now, Paul and I went on the 23rd to see specifically Brave, which is and will likely remain my most chart-topping mm. concert experience ever. Yeah. Um, but the opening acts for that weekend on the 22nd, um, Friday night, was Mystery. If I recall correctly, that was... David? Ben Benoit, Benoit David's yeah. band. Yeah, yeah. On the 23rd, we saw Jacob Moon and Setlist FM credits... Edison's Children? I don't recall that, but I do remember uh, yeah. Jacob very much. And then on Sunday night, the 24th, Sound of Contact. Now, wow. if you look at the set list for that show, you will see that the band played. Now, um, Paul, just imagine if we had decided to stay an extra day. <laughs> 
<laughs> in Montreal and walked into the theater to hear Cosmic Distance Ladder, Pale Blue Dot, Remote View, Not Coming Down, Closer to You, Omega Point, and Mobius Slip Part 1. Wow. <laughs> that probably would have made an impression on us. I'm thinking. Probably. Probably. But probably we would have we would have bought Sound of Contact right there. We probably would have. Unfortunately, we did not stay in Montreal. I want to. I, I don't remember if I made a fateful turn in life before that trip or after. Um, but uh, as luck would have it. So anyway, that you mentioned Merlin weekend, Ken, and I. I had notes here, so I wanted I wanted to bring that in. I'm glad wow. you mentioned that. I, I forgot that we missed them. Yeah. yeah. I'm amazed that they had the balls to do Mo Mobius Slip Live. Now, it is a very prog-friendly audience. Yeah. I mean, they only did part one, so at least okay. according to Setlist FM. Like, Omega Point is so good, it could end the album. I, I often, and I've got that note when we get to Omega Point, that I often think of Omega Point as the end of the album, which, of course, it isn't, but it could be. I agree with you 100%. One we're, might argue it should be. Oh, snap. But we're not there yet. We have shadow. We, we have our crash symbol extravaganza. Yeah, we do. Known yeah, we do. As, as Only Breathing Out. And again, I, I love Only Breathing Out. I think it's absolutely spectacular. I love, you know, lyrically, I think it's really interesting. Oh, no one will find me. Words don't make a sound. There's life still left inside me. The sort of, again, yearning that he is able to convey vocally here is, it moves me. I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, this this seems to me in terms of the story to certainly be a, a point of, I guess, conflict, you'd call it, um, you know, that, that needs to be overcome. And I think it's it's interesting. I'm curious what you guys think of the the part where it sort of breaks down and they go into the the breathy haws and then you've got David doing all those wonderful things sort of in that area. Uh, does, does that work for you? Uh, like, how do you guys feel about this? The whole thing works for me. You're referring to like three quarters of the way through. Yep. It's hinging on like a, a little bit of, brian wilson jellyfish in there it's yes kind of like uh, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah i mean beautiful beautiful i i mean frankly at this point i'm amazed um that not coming down only breathing out and we haven't talked about closer to you yet but they are so melodic and yet not wimpy yeah there's so much to fall in love with here like like just genuine um, it's like like soundtrack material yeah i think that's an excellent uh point ken especially you know and again we haven't we haven't belabored this point but i, I think you know saying that it, it's an excellent time to bring up we are talking about Simon Collins, son of Phil Collins, right? Like, what's the big knock on Phil is solo Phil is, you know, sappy and wimpy and whatever. However you want to interpret that. Yeah, again, I have my own interpretation of all of that, and I happen to 
musically respect and love Phil a lot um, for his ability to do multiple things. But I, yeah. I, I think your your point here is very excellently made, Ken, that you can get melody and accessible music that is not can't be construed in any way shape or form other than badass yeah i think the writing of the symbols and particularly the china boy helps that situation a little bit. <laughs> you, you think so <laughs> i yeah. think so i think that gives it some balls it does <laughs> simon is saying dave you son of a bitch if you're gonna play this soap opera music i'm just gonna put the china boy over it <laughs> Oh, I love it. It's appropriate, and it blends, and it does what it needs to do. And I, I, I find myself falling into these slightly 70s-type melodies in such a good way. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, to go back to the, the symbol writing bit, I think it speaks to, you know, again, it's another facet of this production that makes this album so enjoyable, because that it, it could be overwhelming. As it is, it's noticeable, without being overwhelming, which is really cool. Shall we roll on into the realm of inorganic beings? Sound of Contacts owed to Great Gig in the Sky. Now, <laughs> here's, the, here's, here's the funny thing, because I'm listening on Apple Music and Realm of Inorganic Beings, which is clearly uh, essentially an instrumental, comes on and there are lyrics looking at me again. I will read them into the record, and maybe someday we will ask Dave Kersner about these. His breathless body floats among the stars, and the sirens of silence caress his fear. Wrapped in a cocoon of light and love, traveling back to the mother sphere. Another earth or another you. Shadows thrive where the spirits fly. From boy to man to beyond the cell. Embrace the power from the planet's eye. Wow. Yeah. So. Heavy duty. Heavy duty. Um, you know, and, and listening yeah. in headphones, it's not like they're hidden in there anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It, I feel like um, I, uh, so this song in particular is, it, to me, a, like a direct link to In Continuum, right? Like, I, okay. I feel like there are some, the, like, this completely reminds me of some of the In Continuum and I don't know if I, I want to say that in, in continuum, there's like some story filler, you know, like in between the songs. Okay. You know, if you get the booklet, there's like filler. And I almost wonder if that's what these are. Yeah. Right. Like, like some, some story filler that's coming through his lyrics, which I think is cool that they put him in there actually. Yeah, it, it is. Um, like I said, it was, it was an unexpected sort of bonus. Like musically, I, I'm I'm focused on Kersner and, and the bass at this point. I think it's funny how, you know, both Matt and Kelly are credited as guitar and bass. I, I don't know who's playing what when. But yeah. there, there are times when I'm like, ooh, that bass line's kind of tasty. And other times when I'm just like, I don't even notice it. So I don't know if that's connected to any specific person or mm. what. But I just love how... There is that sort of like we talked about the um, the mathematical equation, the cosmic distance ladder. Yeah, and like like that's the feeling I get with this, like the piano riff that just kind of repeats. Mm, yeah, but it almost 
but it it's almost like endless. Like yeah. even though it's repeating, it's there. I I get the feeling like it's just infinite, right? It never really begins and ends. It just kind of keeps going. Yeah, and um, I really dig that. The uh, references to the cosmic distance ladder, the perihelion, and what is the shape on the album cover? Let's let's actually address the artwork. Um, so that is, in fact, a Mobius strip. Yes. Okay. Dave does his science fiction homework. He's probably read everything from Ray Bradbury to Steven Spielberg and uh, everything thereafter. I mean, he's obviously he's talked to us about the expanse. I mean, he's he's still knee deep into it, uh, and he leverages it appropriately in this album without it being a a, 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 a blatant <laughs> science fiction ripoff. It's amazing. Shall we go on to closer to you? Yes. I overall love the sentiment of this song. Um, again, I think this is certainly lyrically one of those songs that I think could be interpreted in any number of ways, but in my sort of, you know, uh, stubborn view, it fits very well with the overall story that's being created here. I love it. Is this is this our first true guitar solo on this record? Mm, isn't there some kind of guitar solo at the end of Cosmic Distance Ladder? Yeah, I guess. But I mean, Cosmic Distance Ladder is so guitar heavy, right? Yeah. Like it's it, it's it's almost like a, a full guitar composition. Like it, it just when I was writing, you know, my notes for this, and I got to this song, and it was like, oh wait, there's a guitar solo. How wonderful! Because um, I've already I've already had you know several private moments with Kersner keyboard solos, but it's you know again we're we're talking a lot about drumming. We're not talking about guitar playing throughout this record. I've talked more about the bass lines than I have the guitar lines. So it's interesting that all of a sudden we have a quote unquote traditional guitar solo. I don't even think. Joe, if you had mentioned that, that, and if you had asked me, is there even a guitar solo on this album? I, I probably would have said no. There isn't. <laughs> so it's just funny. Yeah. Recently, I caught one of those uh, interview videos with uh, Tim Pierce, who is, you know, one of the absolutely most recorded studio guitarists, in the LA scene or anywhere on the globe. And he was talking about doing. And everybody knows I don't want the world to see me. Uh, and and he he does mandolin in there, and he also does a slide guitar solo. And and they asked him like, what was he thinking? You know, when he did the guitar solo, and he pictured the Google Dolls as three punk rockers who, if they were going to play their own solo, would play something very melodic and simple. And it, it's kind of this epic middle section and tim pierce actually ties in because he was part of that uh, uh toy matinee project with kevin gilbert uh so his image was in my mind uh, but um th the point being that this guitar solo is, is kind of like exactly what tim said there like just the right guitar solo for the song for the band for the moment just to get it to where it needs to be and you almost don't even know what happens. Uh, so, 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 Paul, I, that, that, that's a victory. If, if, if you didn't know it was there, but if you liked the song, that's a win. Yeah. It's just funny. Yeah. 
I, I never even really thought about it before. I do want to say, lyrically, they talk about salvation found. Yeah, I love and, that. <laughs> and part three of Mobius Slip is the movement is called Salvation Found. Yep. So, so I do like the consistency and the and the reoccurrence of that theme. You know, and, and again, that's another one of the uh, you know the the prog hallmarks, right? The sort of repetition of themes, either lyrically or musically, and I think we get that we get both of that throughout all of this, which is spectacular. Joe, at the top of the show, you mentioned that I could probably relate with the fact how like lyrics are somewhat you know blurry at first, and then they sort of come into focus and i probably would appreciate this album even more if i had even bothered once to concern myself with the lyrics to um to any of these uh songs um, <laughs> i'm learning a lot here tonight about uh about some of the extra connections here once i started to figure out the lyrics i i, I really they sort of blossomed for me let me put it this way i buy into the concept although I'm willing to accept people who are like, eh, it's kind of a stretch. <laughs> well, all right. So, so, so this is where it flips from being just a story of a man's humanity and his relationships and his job to being absolute science fiction. Like up till now, everything is pretty normal, but, but somewhere in a mega point and definitely in Mobius slip, it just, fucking goes berserk right right yeah okay 100 okay. yeah yeah things get wildly out of control i mean <laughs> you know i i i think up to this point it things are definitely weird and you know non-normal but there's there's accommodations being made there are there are controls being exercised right and and connections being maintained and i think you're absolutely right by the time we get through mobius slip things are yeah completely out of whack we talk about the arc of a movie like three quarters of the way there has to be a, a peak and a, and a resolve and it's either going to be a hero story or a revenge story or or some kind of a theme but in this science fiction world and in the in continuum stuff and in the whatever genre we're, we're in here it's kind of just like little stories that kind of like punch out at you in different places like just when you think you know what the story is it amps up a little bit it's it's neat i mean it, it, it's kind of dave's ethos in here i like it and and you know, that's one of the things, obviously, that I like about this. Because, you know, when we talked with, with Dave those couple times, and he kept, you know, talking about this story and its connection through, you know, some of the other records and, and everything else. I mean, Dave Kersner is passionate about this story. And, and you know, I respond to that as well. It's one massive story. Even The Traveler. His latest solo album apparently has elements of this. So it's one huge story, but with, yeah. with, within this, you get these digestible cartoons that you can follow. <laughs> I'm a little distracted here with the question, is a Mobius strip infinite? Well, the, the very definition of infinity, it, it, it looks like an infinity symbol. It looks would, like it. Would, would, would but you, hold on. Hold, would, in February 20th in 2019, 
Quanta Magazine publishes this, a new proof. Yeah, a new proof. I guess this, I guess you're right. A new proof shows why an uncountably infinite number of Mobius strips will never fit into a three-dimensional space. Smoosh the strips as you might. They won't fit. That's heavy-duty stuff right there. I mean, we're, we're a track early, but do we want to go to the wikis to talk about that, the definition no, of sorry. a Mobius strip? Sorry, I didn't even know there was such a thing as Mobius strip <laughs> until tonight. So, oh my God, no! Keep keep it going in order. We, we have to. Uh, okay. We have to. We, we we have to figure out what the hell Omega Point is. Uh, you mean besides absolutely freaking wonderful? Yeah, 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 that too. I I absolutely love Omega Point. A again, this to me feels like it 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 always feels like the climax of the album even though it really isn't. I kind of feel like it is. I mean, maybe the story-wise cuz I'm not paying attention to the story so much. It isn't, but I think musically it, it really is like to me like even <sighs> Like I know, there's some shit in Mobius Slip that harkens back to the to the opening track, "Sound of Contact." But like to me, this seems like a much more please pleasing ending to what we have here on a, on a holistic view. It, it, and then like and then like Mobius Slip is kind of like the encore, right? Okay, I, I can see that. Do you feel Paul in any way, shape, or form? And I'm trying to think of how to articulate this from a story perspective. It's almost like the cleanup chapters in Lord of the Rings, the scouring of the Shire after you get the big right. climactic battle, you know, at the gates of yeah. Barad-dor, right? But it's like, it's like, it's like if Peter Jackson decided to make a three hour movie out of the scouring of the Shire. Right? <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably make it into a trilogy, <laughs> I, but I can buy that. I can, I can buy. It. I think for me musically, this is a much more satisfying ending than having to to go through the epic to get to the end. But I, I, I might be, you know, inviting the the ire of prog fans everywhere. I, I, I love, the, I, I, I love the fact that that we are yeah, here sorry. providing our own Hobbit shit. By the way. Uh. <laughs> It's needed. I, I do think Omega Point right ramps up the intensity both musically and vocally. Um, you know, by the time um, you know Simon's singing about all I can take take of this dementia. I mean, he's freaking coming apart here, um, sort of in character, and and the music is is driving you there. Um, as well. I mean, it's just, it's a very, very intense song. Um, and everything up to this point has been kind of like, you know, romantic and longing and, oh, I'm trying to keep all this together and I'm, I'm watching out for you and I'm protecting you and we can connect this way. And if we, if we intertwine, life's wonderful. And it's like, fuck, what the hell's going on? You know? Yeah. I mean, there are lines that really jump out at me. He starts off, the further I go through the rabbit hole, little uh yes quote there yeah and, and out of control sleeping awake all i can take of this dementia which you just re 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 referred to um and, 
and but some of these just jump out remember who you are shining like a star this thing i can't escape words that came too late um is this a little bit of a major tom thing going on here it like, could be that this whole idea of remember who you are, right? Because that's not the first time that idea shows up in this sort of storyline. And it for me, that's a really spooky part of this story, right? Like you're presumably your person, your body, your energy, whatever is is doing all of this traveling. And through this, you've got to maintain who you are through all of this. And how easy it would be to lose that and wind up sort of lost and unknown. That scares the crap out of me. Yeah, so 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 that part of it really does jump out. It happens twice in here to remember who you are. Steal from hands of fate to lie or make you wait. Uh, another one that gets me is post-traumatic dream was never what it seemed. Right. So uh, there's some trauma here, and it, it's supposed to even out, and it's not. <laughs> Reoccurring theme unraveled at the seam. Discover who you are. All of who you are. Remember who you are. Shining like a star. I can see your face beyond the closing gate. They cannot break us down. I'll erase the pain somehow. There's a way to save us now. Okay, so the, the, the us thing, it kind of goes from his lunacy and his job, which is killing him, back to his relationship. And, and I, do, I do like that. There's a way to save us now, right? And, and he accentuates that with a now, now, now thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Which, and, I, which he sings very well. He, he does, right? But even that, it's almost like, he has that thought, there's a way to save us now, and he, he almost has to, you know, pound that into his own brain. Now, 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 before he loses it. Like, I don't, it's just, it's so freaking cool. Well, I, well, I mean, now, now is his tonight. I mean, when you're in space, there's no <laughs> night and day. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Ken Gregory's Palaver MVP moment for the night. Oh, my gosh. That is so great. (laughs) I'm done. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Keep keep, keep the momentum because love you slip is amazing. Let's let's jump to that definition. but, 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 But wait, wait. Before we get into Mobius slip, one thing we skipped over in Omega Point, there's another guitar solo, and it fucking kicks ass. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even know. Yep, it's there too. So um absolutely fantastic. I just I love I love that song. So if we move on to to Mobius Slip at this point, um I'll just read the first paragraph in the Mobius Slip wiki page. Because it, it we don't this is not a math. Uh, podcast. If someone really wants to learn more about it, by all means, I encourage you. Um, but I think this will at least um, illustrate the point. In mathematics, a Mobius strip, Mobius band, or Mobius loop is a surface that can be formed by attaching the ends of a strip of paper together with a half twist, also manifesting as the um, 
the infinity symbol. As a mathematical object, it was discovered by Johann Benedict uh, Listing and August Ferdinand Mobius in 1858, but it had already appeared in Roman mosaics from the 3rd century CE. The Mobius strip is a non-orientable surface, meaning that within it, one cannot consistently distinguish clockwise from counterclockwise turns. Every non-orientable surface contains a Mobius strip. Um, I think in popular culture, the most, um, probably the most known manifestation of this would be the works of M.C. Escher. Um, the idea where you have things that connect up in a way that are seamless, but don't actually make spatial sense. Or follow the laws of gravity. Exactly. Mobius slip is, of course, the real climax of... Um, of the album. There's a lot of tension, I think, here, certainly in the first part between the keys, the drums, um, and the bass. Um, as has already been pointed out, the line in continuum is manifest here. Um, I, I, I view this as sort of like uh, the, the, the wrap up scene, if you will. Um, and, and I'll be perfectly honest. I have spent less time listening to Mobius Slip than anything else on this record. By the time, it, it, part of it has to do with the fact that it's a side on, on its own. And I've spent much less time with the second disc of the LP than I have um, the other one. And again, by the time I get through Omega Point, I'm like, I'm satisfied. I'm good. Uh, it, it, it's interesting, and I think I have to point out here that, you know, Ken, you directed uh, our friend uh, Tom Corcoran specifically to this track, and out of context, he had a lot of trouble with, with this. It, it it didn't really connect with him um, in the way that I think you were, were hoping it would. And, you almost have to be in the story to... to have a reason for this to happen in the first place. Well, exactly. I think, I think without sort of going through the journey, you're like, what's the, it sounds like a lot of, you know, techno babble or, or something that, you know, in, in the context of the greater story actually does have quite a lot of meaning. And, and, and I say that because, you know, again, the more time I've spent with this um, for, this palaver specifically and and you know i was interested when ken you and tom had that sort of interaction on the text stream about this and so i started paying much more attention to it myself and i i was like yeah this is this is actually great but it it is interesting for me to sort of give another 20 minutes to an album that i feel like is is finished <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say my piece here, and then I'll just let you guys talk about it more. I think said another way, Joe, is that that this side is musically compared to the other three, it's inferior, and and it's as a, from a prog perspective, it's disappointing when the epic, you know, the the epic should be the song that you know is the best song, right? Close to the edge, gates of delirium, whatever. Yeah. Um and it and it's not in this. Like I would much rather listen to the first three sides than I would 
and and you know you that would you'd think it would be the opposite. You'd think it would be like, ah, oh, you know, I only have time for one side. I'm going to listen to Mobius Slip, but it's it's not the, not the case. And so on the second and Continuum album, I much prefer the long epic there. I think it's much better. I think it actually starts and goes somewhere. I f- sometimes I just feel like this one is a little too contrived, I guess. And and there's one thing that no matter how often I listen to and try to get across, get by, I just can't get past the. Uh, there's just like when they when they when Simon first begins singing the verses over like the octave something guitar, it's like all of a sudden we just like pushed pause and said, you know what? Let's let's insert Pearl Jam's Jeremy in this part of the song, and then we'll get back to. The rest of the album wow. and i just can't get i cannot get past that i weird I, I have never had that experience but uh <laughs> yeah i didn't pick up on that For, first verse yeah yeah i mean it's the the uh, I, iambic pentameter whatever that's called uh of the of the verses is like jeremy and it drives me crazy every time i hear it and so that's all i'll say i i and, like i think everyone loves this everyone wants to hear Dave Kersner do this when you know he plays live. I would prefer to just hear side one or side one and two. Well, I'd I'd want to hear Beyond Illumination, which wasn't part of their uh, uh, their interpretation at a that Merlin weekend that you guys missed. Uh, there's a lot going on here. There there are four parts. I I don't know exactly what the story is doing. Uh, some of it really catches me and draws me in. Uh, and it, this this was quite possibly the four of them all writing together, everyone getting their say, everyone getting something in. There's actually acoustic guitar in here, which I think is probably Kelly, but could be Dave because he's credited for acoustic guitar here. It, it really is the kitchen sink part of the album. Yeah. I, just looking through this lyrically, um, there's a lot going on, but I, I will kind of focus in on the summation, part four, all worlds, all times. Because this this lyrically strikes me as sort of a, a beautiful closure of all of this. I see the starlight in your eyes, a billion beaming lights, embrace you in my mind. I have traveled all this time. I recognize who I was and what I am. Been to places I can't explain, trade tomorrow for my pain. I have crossed between the plains, and this love can never die. Lives on and ever after, see the starlight in my eyes. Resigned to lead a life alone, to lead a life alone, exploring all that is, all worlds, all times. Now I feel I can't go on without you in this life and all the love inside. Ascending into space, all worlds, all times, and all familiar place. Earth-like sunshine, I feel the starlight in our eyes, starlight, sunshine, moonbeam, Earth-like. Which, again, Mobius Strip fashion takes us back to the beginning. I'm amazed that Simon memorized all these lyrics enough to do it at a Merlion Weekend. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean they, were, they were probably doing that same set on that European tour that they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's at least at least you brought out the emotional part of it. There, there, there is a bit of a love story nestled in there. 
Um, yeah, I guess I guess it's a hard sell, and and compared to everything else on the album, that that's that's just perfect in so many ways. And yeah, it, it, I I mean I'm I, I feel like we're kind of bagging on on Mobius Strip, and and I certainly don't mean to. Um, I I enjoy it. I haven't had the the Pearl Jam experience. I, my my own limitations with the track are just that my own limitations um just be, for for whatever reason I, I just respond to omega point so well but i have been again spending a lot more time with it recently and i'm sure given even more time it will make um more sense to me so i, I don't I think i yeah i think i need to spend more time with it but also more time with the lyrics throughout the whole thing to really get the closure yeah I mean, I, I just wonder if they needed a whole side of an album to to deliver what you like the part that you just talked through. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Well, and and, and again, according to the story on the wikis, um, you know, they I guess a lot of the songs were written, and then they decided they did want to sort of you know collaborate on some stuff, and a lot of that did become I think the musical portions here. So maybe maybe one of the things that you're hearing, Paul, is the different manner in which Mobius Strip sort of came into being. Um, you know, there's a, there's based on again the story in the wikis, and and we can, you know, I, I I would love to you know circle back and talk to Dave about this record now that you know we are. St- you know, much more versed in it and, and see if that's really the case. Um, yeah. Cause what you're suggesting is that it wasn't like, it wasn't like Dave Kersner walked in and said, guys, listen, and sat down at the piano and banged it out for 20 minutes. Like it's no like gates it's, of delirium. Gates of delirium. <laughs> it's no gates of delirium story according to the wiki. So again, you know, it, it would be interesting to, to see if that's the case. And, you know, uh, you know, if if that's not the way a lot of this album was written, um, I, I, I don't think it's it's in any way, shape, or form a knock against this song. And if anything, you know, I think it. If this was the beginning of Sound of Contact, you know, I'm going to go on record um, firmly in the camp of Dave Kersner and say, I think it's a damn shame we didn't get more Sound of Contact. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So good, so wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. In retrospect, it's definitely. I totally understand why that. Why um, that feeling of the disappointment that this band didn't didn't continue on. And, yeah, it, and, I mean, it's and take it's, the next step for sure. It, it this this record to me is just. I find it to be amazing and I, I love it so much, you know, and, and, you know, we here on, on the palaver, you know, doing what we do and listening to what we listen to, you know, it it can be a hard road, you know, after 1983, (laughs) Um, you know, you don't always it's not a it's not a given, right? That you're going to get something spectacular. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, 
there are exceptions to that, obviously, and that that's sort of a, a very broad generalization. Um, but certainly, you know, even post two thousand, whatever, there, you know, the, this album to me just stands out as being on par with anything that we've covered in on the, on this podcast. Um, you know, from from the greats of the genre. Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, I I and I stand by my statement, one of the most underrated albums in the last ten years. And um only two thousand monthly listeners on Spotify. It's like a crime. It is a crime. Agreed. Mm, mm. Well Joe, what is the tagline for our podcast here? <laughs> um <laughs> Discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. So, we've we've had one episode on uh, Sound of Contact, and we're done the band. So, yeah, there he is. <laughs> it's like a whole season. But the point <laughs> the point being, they are among the greatest. They are among the greatest. Yeah, yeah this 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 album is phenomenal, and um, love it. So, yeah, it would be nice if we can if we can catch up with our our friend Dave Kersner and and really maybe dig deep into this if he's willing. Um, Dave, if you're listening, um, and, uh, you know, if, you know, we'll, we'll see where, where that goes. And if he doesn't want to talk about this, we can talk a lot about star Wars. So I'm so sad. I mean, I, I, I must've listened to this 60 times in the last six months, just, 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 you know, while jogging or walking around or doing whatever driving and, 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 and now I don't have the flavor excuse, um, but you know that's what acceleration theory parts one and two are for to to to, to ease the pain. And, and it's interesting. I have actually acceleration theory parts one and two, and I've listened. I've listened to part one once, and I didn't have the same warm, fuzzy feeling that oh I get my from god. this. Now, I, oh my god, Joe! Oh so, wow! So. So now granted I wasn't listening under the you know the 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 best um conditions and so you know that's that's what I'm looking forward to now to going back and revisiting those and 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 having that experience that you guys have had with those records so I'm I'm really excited now. Yeah, that's cool. I think that um I think you know Sound of Contact the production the quality of production and sound of contact is again, I would, I would say among the, you know, the best of anything we've, we've talked about here, I think and continuum may not be as good production wise, better than arc of life. Um, and it's, I don't mean that as a knock at all. I don't, it's not, it's not a knock against in continuums production. It's more of just a, how incredible the production is on on um, sound of contact well said yeah I, I i i i agree um you know uh the the style of production here highlights what needs to be highlighted and 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 really spruces it up and and, and hones the listener into where they want to be you know when you when you refer to it's 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 the traditional you know, prog rock band, every man from himself, every instrument has an identity and, and it's not necessarily 
crafted to the song or to the moment in the song. You've got large, large bass, large drums, large guitars, spinning keyboards, tons of vocals, too many billies, maybe. I don't know. But it's, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, we love it for what it is. You know, it's just a, a different style. It's raw compared yeah. to, it's rock compared to this, this pristine production that we've been uh, spoiled with. This is an absolute gem. Yeah. And gentlemen, I am glad we finally got a chance to do a full palaver on it. Yes. This has been, you know, I, I love these episodes for something that we've been, you know, talking about um, and listening to for so long. Um, and this is, this has been, you know, one of those uh, one of those fine experiences. So, as always, thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. I'm wondering, I'm wondering how soon it will be when we just decide, fuck it, let's not edit these episodes anymore. Let's nah. just put them out as is. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> On that yep. note, I will bid you, gentlemen, a fond good evening and look forward to next time even though at this point i have no idea what our next episode is going to be so it'll be fun perfect awesome thanks guys rock We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you and look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at Paula on all of those. Or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala that's p-r-o-g-p-a-l-a at gmail.com progressive palaver is available for subscription and download on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify pandora or presumably wherever you find your podcasts and we are as always hosted on soundcloud so until next time thanks for listening Mm -hmm.